Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Welcome to Believe in Borussia, episode number 13. Thank you for tuning in again and thank you for keep on downloading and listening to us. A big shout out to John from what I assume is Connecticut for your nice review on Apple. Please keep them coming if you're listening and haven't done so. And also much love to our friends from Mexico who showed us some love on Twitter. So muchas gracias hermanos. Um, we appreciate you and we appreciate everybody tuning in. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, a fellow content creator from the Great White North. And before we get to that, we will just go over a couple updates, the Euros. And speaking of the Euros, I'm sure you're catching the games. I'm sure a lot of you are watching. So if you want to cash in on that knowledge, why don't you head over to Bet Online? The whole month of June is heating up with a ton of sports action and Bet Online is where you can find it. From the basketball playoffs to the hockey playoffs to baseball even and of course the Euros, including prop bets and futures. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, information, whatever you need for all your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today, use your mobile device uh, and join to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off or pitch, Head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. This just fresh off the press. German soccer magazine Kicker, which is a very reliable source, has reported that Berlurdi has been sold to Marseille for around $12 million. Um, he hasn't really seen much action for Dortmund, which has been a bit of a mystery because at times we really needed center backs and he was playing for Argentina. But for whatever reasons, he didn't really break into the squad. So good luck in Marseille. Fare thee well. There are obviously a couple of other names that are also being rumored to leave the club. First and foremost, Roman Birki, who apparently is headed for Monaco. And then you have your Wolf, your Schulz, your Brand. So let's see where that goes. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit later with our guest. What is certain, though, that our new goalie, Gregor Kobel, has been called up to Switzerland as an injury replacement. Um, I think that's great for him, personally. The Euros, the World Cup, competitions of that magnitude are what players really strive for, and you can learn a ton and develop yourself. But on the downside, he's very likely now to miss training camp, which starts July 1st with Dortmund, just like all the other Euro travelers. And speaking of the Euros again... Me personally, I've enjoyed it so far. I've been trying to catch as many games as I can. In particular, games with Borussia Dortmund players. Ironically though, even though there are more games now in this new 24 team format, I watch a little less because with 24 teams, not all the matches right now are exactly street sweepers. And with 66% of the teams moving on, It feels a little bit like everybody's moving on anyway. So the games right now don't seem that crucial. That said, it's still fun to see the players. And you can sense the, the motivation and what it means to a lot of these players. The dedication, because the stakes are high. This is a big platform and there are many teams that have something to prove. Whether it's Germany after the disastrous World Cup run in 2018 or Can Portugal turn themselves into a bona fide soccer power? They are the defending champs, they added more talent. Or is it France that's going to wrestle a title back from them? And what about Poland or Austria, teams that have talent but in the past have seemed to always punch below their weight? And I'm sure there's going to be a Cinderella story, so we'll keep on watching. And one thing we already saw was a record. Jude Bellingham becoming the youngest player ever at the Euros at 17 years and 345 days to play in the match. Congratulations, Jude. Well done. Another fantastic achievement in a great season. I think it's fair to say he almost overachieved by now. We all knew he was talented and we all know if we get in the kid that is 16 years old and played in a championship regularly in midfield in such a tough division, 
he's got to have something. But I think even he's a little bit surprised how fast he caught on, how important he became already in the Bundesliga, in the Champions League. And now he's becoming the youngest player ever in the Euros, playing on a loaded England team with 17 years and 345 days. Great. So a little less than three weeks when he will turn 18 and is eligible for a new contact, which is already supposed to be signed up and will kick in apparently. The way he's been performing, very much looking forward to that official announcement for Jude Bellingham 2024, 25 or how long this is going to run. Borussia Dortmund had more players in action. Munir came on early for Belgium and scored a goal and had actually a decent game. Alas, it was a weak Russian team that did anything but look terrifying. Torgan Hazar assisted on Munir's goal, so he started for Belgium. Which is another case of who would have thought. I think by now it's pretty clear that Borussia Dortmund won the Hazard sweepstakes over Real Madrid. Who paid 100 million and change for Eden, who is now sitting on the bench. While we got Torgan who's now starting for Belgium and also being a lot more productive on the club level. That was some good business. And here's hoping that Toto can finish on a high note because it wasn't his best season. He had those injuries and if he can finish strong now and leave on a good feeling and come to camp motivated, I think we can see an even better Torgan Hazard at Borussia Dortmund next year. Akanji had a solid game for Switzerland. So did Delaney and till the Ericsson shock happened. And I don't want to talk about any of that because I think most people saw it. All I'm going to say is I'm wishing Christian Ericsson a speedy and full recovery and I hope he's in the most capable hands right now. Well, today is the day that some of our best players, uh, Emre Can, Rafa Guerrero, Mats Hummels would join the action at the Euros. In Germany, France, potentially the top game of the Euros so far. I'm a little concerned that the constellation with it being the first game and the fact that you can advance as a third will make that setup a little more defensive than it would be in another way. But nevertheless, there's going to be a lot of quality on the pitch and it should be a tasty match. And same as Germany and Portugal on Saturday when Rafa and Mats and Emre were square off with each other, I'm also very much looking forward to that one. Also because it will be more easy to watch on the weekend and Shoot, if my moink box arrives, I might even barbecue. Some nice steaks and the euros. Mm -mm -mm. Moink is our new sponsor and their family farm meats look amazing, like, like beyond steakhouse quality. And I got some information with the whole packaging and everything. And I got to say, the meat industry is really wild. Like there's four companies that own 80% of the meat market and 97% and of the supermarket chicken get chlorine dipped. So, yeah, I don't always get the best meat, I suppose, which is why I'm particularly looking forward to this box because I do love me some good steak or a taste wing or some crispy bacon. And if you're a bacon fan and if you like farm-to-table quality and want to support family farms, then you can join the Moink movement today. And right now, listeners of this fabulous show can get free bacon for a year with every box order. If you go to moinkbox.com slash believe, that's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time only. So again, I'm going to spell it moink as an M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. Again, that's moinkbox.com slash believe for some premium steak, salmon, bacon, ground beef, what have you. Can't wait to get mine and slap that on the grill. Mmm, burger. So I'm very excited to have Josh here with me from JJD TV. He's one of the finest English content producers out there in the BBB world. And he's basically the, the house DJ for anything English on the BBB official Twitch channel. And yeah, just an all around nice guy Canadian. So I'm very happy to have him here and I hope it's the first of many conversations because it's always a, a very entertaining to speak or uh, listen to him. So welcome, Josh. Thank you for coming on. And do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned nice and Canadian. You know, they kind of go hand in hand. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's the reason why. But no, I'm I'm excited to be here. It's uh, it's always fun, as you said, to talk with other uh, BBB fans that are are English speaking. Um, I've had a lot of fun on the channel so far. I'm really excited to be here on the podcast. 
Awesome. Well, maybe just start with a very standard sort of question. And I never get all of asking and hearing about it. I don't know about yourself, but how do you become a BVB fan in Canada? It, yeah, I mean, honestly, number one question and most common question I get on the on the channel, but it's my favorite question to answer because it's it's a weird story. I mean, I, I grew up in Canada and a small town of 2000 people, no one of which cares about the sport. I mean, it's Canadians, it's small town. I just kind of had to fall in love with the game on my own. Uh, my, my background is does come from Germany, a few generations. My great grandfather is from there. So naturally, when I played FIFA video games, I just I knew my background was German. So I went over for a career mode, found the German league, the Bundesliga, found the club, liked their logo, and just started, they were my go-to team every time I played with the friends. And then I started actually watching them, find, figured out ways to watch them, which was challenging over the years, but was able to do it. Started probably watching them in the 2009, 2010 season, carried out for a long time. And again, just kept my opinions and thoughts to myself for pretty much over a decade until one day COVID hit and uh, my, my job got put on, on pause. So I, I reached out to a buddy of mine and asked if he'd be interested in starting a Dortmund fan base YouTube channel and see how it goes from there. Obviously we've, we've had some success. The cl clubs reach out to us and we do stuff with them and we're, we have a very exciting uh, partnership going with the club in the near future where we're going to be uh, launching something together, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, I don't want to speak on it too much, but it's uh, pretty handy for the for the international fans. So I'm very excited to be a part of that. And the community has been amazing and uh, led me to nice conversations like we're having today. Awesome. And I mean, okay, you already touched a little bit upon maybe the circumstances of why you started the, um, the channel, but I still want to like go a little deeper there because I think there's plenty of people that get you know, into Dortmund, say for FIFA reasons, you know, because they like a player or the logo or something like that. I don't think anybody really, other than you, just, you know, goes out and starts some sort of content platform. <laughs> so um, I, did you even have like some background? Did you have like in content? Did you do some video or writing or anything? Or were you a complete novice and was just like, look, I got to talk about this? <laughs> um, so... I guess like like falling in love with the club a little bit more. I I mean when I when I first started, first play I really caught my eye at Dortmund was a young Mario Getze. Loved the way that he played. Really made me kind of fall in love with the passion, the fans. I I loved everything that I was seeing. Royce then came to the club the next season and he kind of played it. I liked it when I used to play the game because I I don't play it as much anymore here in Canada due to injuries. But when I used to play it, I was a winger and I loved to see how he kind of came in and playing on that on that left hand side. And I just fell in love with Royce. He's he's an idol to me. He's an idol to many Dortmund supporters. And uh, then I never had a goal. I wanted to go to Dortmund to watch a game live. Was able to do that. Went backpacking in, in 2018. Watched them play Frankfurt at home. They won 3-1. Not an experience. I mean, if, if I was already in love with the club, going and watching a game live just sucks you in 10 times harder than you could have ever imagined. And I just, I don't know. I just There's, there's just so many thoughts that always go through my head. And I just wanted a platform to be able to talk about it. I'm a poor writer. Never went into the writing field whatsoever like that. Uh, I used to go uh, worked at a at a sports camp, and I used to go to a bunch of different public schools and and did public speaking there. I've always had a, a background in public speaking, but never really in the sports kind of way. I was supposed to work at the Vancouver Whitecaps Academy before COVID. I was supposed to be in an not an, like work for an analyst for for TSN for the Euros that was going to happen happen last summer. Again, all these ways for me to get into the industry, but they fell through because of COVID. So I just said, screw it. I'm going for, for it myself. And uh, that's kind of what led us to, to create the channel. The technology comes beside my, my best friend. Uh, I've been friends with him since I was four. Public school, high school, college, and now, um, now doing the channel together. And he did video production. So he's the reason it, everything looks as good as it does. And I just is kind of the face. Oh, that's kind of like the dream if you're just starting in content because... <laughs> that technical aspect can really kick you. I'll beep that or whatever. <laughs> but you know, like you know what I'm saying. It's um, it, it it can be a little bit overwhelming because it's so hard to produce content regularly. You know, come up with ideas, stick to your plan. Life happens to you. You know, so kind of like stick with it and be consistent. Be consistent on a quality level. Um, yeah, I'm happy you got your mate. And you still live in that small town. <laughs> I do. I live in a very small town still. Same same town I grew up with. Uh, he lives in the same town as well. Well, and, that makes and, yeah. kind of sense if you know each other for like 20 yeah. years. Yeah. E exactly. And he, uh, I mean, I, I, I've always thought of every now and then, I'm like, oh, I would love to, to just talk about my thoughts and create a channel. But I obviously go on YouTube and look at what other people do. 
I'm like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't replicate that. I mean, I like, you need, you need the quality aspect of it, which was a no brainer to, to reach out to him. And I mean, he was, and he's another good example. He was someone who didn't follow the sport whatsoever. And now he watches every Dortmund game. He's dying to go and watch a game live. And, and he's a, he's a full out, full out football fan now. If you're passionate about it and with a, with a team like Dortmund or with a club like Dortmund, I think that's very easy to be. Um, it rubs off on people <laughs> if they want it or not. Yep. Like my family was, they weren't even big soccer fans, which is kind of rare in Germany. Like, you know, I mean, when, when, when people in Germany say they're not really into soccer, it means they only watch 20 games a year. You know? <laughs> fair, fair. Like only the World Cups, the Euros, the Champions League, big games, you know, but no, I, I'm not really into it, <laughs> which would in, in here translate into like, yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I watch all the big games. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, you know, different cultures, but, but anyway, but yeah, they, they wouldn't, they weren't really into it so much, but then over the, I think my mom, my mom always thought like when I was, you know, like we high and, and started asking for like scarves and stuff, she thought it's a phase and I grew out of it. And um, to this day, I kind of am a little upset that the first Jersey I got was like a, a replica, which was really, really shit quality. <laughs> While my cousin who really didn't care that much about Dopon, got the, the fancy original Nike one. Mm. And I knew I had to rock mine because if I wouldn't, then she'd be like, you're not, you're not even wearing the one I got you. Why am I supposed to get you another one? No. <laughs> fair, fair. So fast forward, I don't know. It was like, what, 2013, 14. I took her to the stadium for the first time with, a, with her own scarf. Now she has a shirt. You know, what were you, we watched Bayern Dortmund. Oh, good one. Yeah, but I mean, it was end of the season, you know, 1-1, I think. So it wasn't like the high highlights of like the, the club years, but, you know, it's still a decent game. I mean, Dortmund-Frankfurt, that's also a great game because it's yeah. two great fan groups and I'm pretty sure the stadium was rocking. And um, did you go in the summer or in the winter? We went in September. Okay. Was the weather still okay-ish? It was good. It was, yeah, it was, it was decent weather. It couldn't have been, couldn't have been any better for a game like that. And yes, the, Perfect. the arena, <laughs> I mean, the, the fans, everything around the stadium, it was just in, exceptional. I couldn't describe it anymore. Did you allow yourself to have some time before the game or did you just sort of like rush into your seat and then kick off? We, that we went early. We, we wanted to get the full experience. We were, we were outside the stadium. Smart. Just all you could see was, was black and yellow and and it was crazy we went to some venues we, we did as, as much as we possibly could went in watched all of warm-up did everything we could get a little little walk around of of uh, the stadium which was obviously huge found our way to our seats and then enjoyed a match which four goals were scored can't complain did, did you also get some some beer and brat outside in the road to air that's something that i love to do especially I, when the weather is nice i actually did i did 100 that was exactly what i had uh me i was with two other buddies and yeah we had a we had a few we had a few snacks and we had a some few beverages as well but you know the, the norm i mean honestly that's one of my favorite parts of like pre-game just going in there and then seeing this old stadium and then you know just soaking up sort of like the, the heroes of old and i mean it's I don't know. Last time I was there, it was still like two fifty for a beer and a brat. You know, coming from the states, that's just you know, you, you pay fifteen bucks for a beer at the at the Madison Square Garden. You're like, <laughs> yeah, amazing. <Okay>. So <laughs> yeah, you know, and then just the, the masses. It's um, it's a great way to get into into it. You know, into the spirit. So yeah, I'm fully with you there. I, I have a I have a um, someone in my family as a young kid who is so like abbreviating a little bit with his club choice right now um and i'm telling his dad who's a frankfurt fan like to either get him to frankfurt or um you know dortmund obviously but i'm, I'm I also <laughs> kept on telling him don't take him to the stadium of the club that he currently likes take him to dortmund or take him to frankfurt because that's when you're a kid that even when you're an adult i think that's the first moment that's when it hits you. Like when you're in there and you look around, there's 60, 70, 80,000 people going bonkers over this weird little game. <laughs> no, I, I agree. We went, we went to Wembley and we went to a Camp Nou as well. And, and so, I mean, two other fantastic stadiums, but none, in my opinion, came close to the, the atmosphere, to the feel of, uh, of the Dortmund game. What, what games did you watch there? We watched uh, the Nations League game between England and Spain at Wembley. Good game. 3-2 was the final for Spain. Uh, it, it was a good, really good atmosphere. I mean, Wembley was packed, uh, but again, it just it didn't come close to to the loud, the crazy fans that were in uh, 
were in Dortmund, but then in Camp Nou was interesting because they obviously have a, a massive, massive stadium. I think it holds about 99,000 and it was only about 71,000 in there. So there's a lot of empty seats, which I thought was a little, you know, a little discouraging on the eyes because you're expecting a, a game like Barcelona to be, to be packed. It was Barcelona versus Ginona on a, on a 2-2 match, which we saw Messi score, which was kind of cool. But again, the atmosphere wasn't even close to what it was at Dortmund. Yeah. I mean, Barca, are, you know, they... Even when they fill it on, on Champions League days and stuff like that, their, their setup is a little different. Um, you know, I mean, the club is, I think, very strongly rooted within the city in the region, of course. Um, like, it's hard to miss Barcelona once you're in that area. But it doesn't necessarily always translate into the stadium. Like, I think the mix of um, more one-off visitors and, and, and also tourists uh, is, is like a little... The ratio is different than, for example, Dortmund. Yep, and you, you, yeah, you made a good point. I mean, the the pregame was unreal outside outside of the stadium. It was so cool. Some of the stuff that they had going on, it was pretty much like a parade was going on. Uh, so it was very cool. But it, like you said, translating inside, uh, it just it wasn't. I don't know. It just wasn't the same atmosphere. The, the fans weren't as into it as as the ones in in Dortmund. It was. Uh, I don't know. And just like I said, those empty seats. It just it's a little discouraging on the eye. Still a lot of people, seventy one thousand, but. Nothing like that that packed uh, place at I mean, in Dortmund. Yeah, it, and it's the it's like the Hertha syndrome, you know. Like um, they obviously also have that problem with the big stadium. I think they average like forty eight to fifty thousand, which is you know, if that's in the states, that that's Atlanta United territory, and yeah. people are like, oh my god, that's amazing. But <laughs> in a seventy five thousand seater, it looks kind of empty, and it, it it does you know, and the stadium is also so wide. So um, so I think they have actually a worse rep or they get a better, uh, worse rep than they deserve the fans there because... Um, <laughs> no, it's fair. There's a lot of seats to pack up. I mean, you know, yeah. Dortmund's able to do it, but I mean, not everyone's Dortmund. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we obviously build the culture also around it a little bit. You know, I think with Barcelona, you also have that expectation management in the sense, you know, and if you're there in 2018, that means they haven't really done anything in a Champions League lately. Messi's also, you know, he was already a little getting a little older so but different level of expectation um which i think is normal it even happens in, in dortmund where people people get you know cranky here oh my god <laughs> why are we not winning the league you know 10 years ago nobody was saying that 10 years ago I, you know before club it was like oh my god if we could sneak into like sixth or fifth <laughs> like see dortmund play international again like that'd be amazing I remember saying that, like, we were in Wolfsburg um, in his first season when Wolfsburg was the re the reigning champion. It was December. is one of the coldest games I've ever been to. And we went up 2-0. I think we was, like, in eighth or ninth place. And, um, yeah, we were singing, like, German champion is only BVB. And it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke because we didn't think we were going to become or, you know, even, like, compete for the championship. Um, but it was just like, man, we're playing decent again. There's a team that cares. The coach is doing something cool. Yeah, like maybe we can crack UEFA. Woo! <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Uh, I had a conversation with Omaiello, which was was exceptional. Hear his thoughts on that on that first title that he had, and he said it basically going into that season, like you said, they the players didn't expect to to pull off what they did. The fans didn't. And he said that's why it, I asked him what was his favorite title he won. And he said it was that that first one because he just it was so unexpected. A group of players coming together the way that they did, and and. It was, I don't know, it, it was a pretty cool story, but it's, it's cool to hear it from the other side as well, thinking that it was fine to finish eighth or sixth or whatever it was in the previous season, but that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a gradual step, as you may or may not recall. Like, I think the first year we missed out of Europe just by like a goal. And then the second we got into um, Europa League, UEFA, whatever it was called back then. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, the juggernaut really took off, but... But yeah, I mean, you were you were already into it then. I th said you said 2009, 2010. So you joined yeah. at, a, at a very opportune time. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I didn't have that that background knowledge going into it. I just knew that the team I was following at present time was like pretty damn good. So they, so it was, it was interesting seeing a couple of titles right away when I started following the club, and then kind of seeing Bayern obviously take over in that perspective and. Uh, Hopefully, you know, in the next couple of years or so, or whenever we can have a chance to, to take them off, because uh, I can just tell the more after those two titles, the, the fan base wants it. I mean, we, we want to dethrone Bayern. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, because I asked them, like, what would you rather see? Would you rather see Leipzig do it? Or would you rather wait and see, uh, or would you rather see someone do it? Or would you rather Dortmund do it? And they said they don't want to see anyone else do it besides us. 
Yeah. And I mean, um, even in the Bayern camp, I think there are people that are like, we would actually like somebody else to do it. You know, <laughs> like we, we're good. Like we're good. We've, raise, we've done it nine times. Raise the profile, <laughs> you know, like, like make it, make it interesting for everyone again. Like, um, but yeah, but to be fair, like at the end of the day, Bayern still, you know, they, they, if you if you if you top of the league at the end of the year, I think you deserve it. And if you look at a, well, what the club's done over the last 30, 40, 50 years, you know they, it, it's sort of like on the same sentiment. You know, like yeah, they didn't get a sugar daddy. No, they did not. You know, <laughs> were they ruthless? Do they have some some interesting transfer? You know, um, takes there. Um, did they sometimes buy players that didn't need? But you know. <laughs> help them kind of like screwing over the competition sure you know yeah. um but it's not nothing out of the ordinary and you know overall they have a clear strategy i think that they, they they work well with their money they don't spend much on transfers they rather invest it into um you know the, the squad itself and that's how they can keep good players and that's how they've been able to grow and compete with you know um yeah, revenues and, and um subsidiaries that they that they don't have themselves so yeah, shoot. But it's it's time for it to come crashing down. We're all waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just have to stick to our guns, you know. Um, I mean, if you look at the last couple of seasons, there there were there were opportunities, you know, the nine point season. Um, yep. And I think you know it's less about Bayern. Even even if we lose those games to Bayern, we would still have a chance. But then we did not perform well against other teams, against Schalke, against Bremen, um, at the end of the season. And um, that's just you know where we need to be better. Let's talk a little bit about your show. Are there certain like formats um, or topics that you like to go to? Uh, how far does your audience reach? Are there any like highlights that you had that you're ex particularly proud of? Yeah, so we usually during the season, we'll do a match preview on every episode. Uh, talk about each game, break down the opposition, talk about the starting 11s, usually a lot of fun. We do our match watch alongs, which is where we watch with the community. I don't know 100% what the stat is, but I believe we have... I believe we have viewers in about 100 countries, something along those lines. It was crazy high when I was looking at it, which just kind of speaks to the fact that that there's viewers from Dortmund all over the world, which I absolutely love. I think it's so cool to, I like to ask the question on my streams, where are you guys watching from? Because it's, it's incredible seeing all the different countries from from Europe, Asia, South America, North America. It's it's pretty cool to see. Then we do, usually do a, a five takeaways, which is a series that we have on the channel where after each Dortmund game, we take five big takeaways of the match. A lot of them sometimes comes directly from the chat, comes from you guys. Depends all about the kind of situations that we do. During the summer months, it's just going to be a little bit fun. We're going to start doing watch-longs on, on the Euros to kind of keep an eye on the Dortmund players that are playing on, for their respective countries, which should also be a lot of fun as well. Uh, we've done stuff with uh, different YouTubers. We had a lot of different collaborations, had a lot of transfer segments, which during the summer is going to be a lot of fun because we know being a Dortmund fan will lead to natural transfers left right and center so we'll be doing that pretty much daily for the next little bit which will obviously more than likely be keeping the eye on sancho holland um and yeah just kind of i don't know i just kind of try to make it a fun english-speaking bruce Dortmund community and and kind of learn from our viewers and and keep growing and try to come up with some fun content yeah awesome and i think you know you you just said learn from the viewers you know i really appreciate that um that you seem to understand that also as, as a platform of, of, you know, equal communication sense. Um, because I feel like that's where uh, Dortmund can probably still grow as, you know, on the English speaking part of things. Um, just providing people with, yeah, with a cool platform where they can meet like-minded people. Yes, there is social media and stuff, but it's very anonymous. It's very short. Um, so, you know, somewhere we can see, oh, they're actually committed or they're, they know what they're talking about, or maybe they don't know certain things that, you know, they're talking about, but they're passionate about it. I think that's, that makes the draw. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan, but like I came from North America, so I, I have a different perspective and a different outlook on this club. So, I mean, the most information I learn and, and about this club, cause it, it happens every day comes directly from the viewers. Cause especially the ones that grew up in Germany and, and give me a real different outlook because i promise you someone who grew up in germany has a very different view of the game in itself as well as the club than someone who grew up over in north america but it's, it's a nice unique thing about the channels because other other people other dortmund fans around the world who relate to me uh can also learn from from the viewers learn from each other and just show that is one big community 
Absolutely. And I love that part, that bridge building, you know, because I don't think it's necessarily not about like one is right and the other is wrong or whatever. It's just different perspectives and, you know, having somebody in between sort of like bridge these different communities, um, I think is super valuable because that's really what you need when you want to translate maybe some of the intricacies of the club, right? And so, like the, the cultural, I mean, there's thousands of football clubs out there, you know, like what makes Dortmund special? Like that it's in the fabric of, of, of the fans, uh, you know, of the club itself, the people that work there, the commitment and, you know, people like you showing commitment to it. It's like a little piece of the puzzle that, that sort of like makes the whole picture or a big piece. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it's, it's been quite the journey so far. And um, I, I mean, obviously couldn't do it without the viewers because it, it also led to a fun relationship with, with Dortmund. I mean, having having that connection with the club it means obviously a lot to me didn't think that they would ever reach out like that and, and try to build something there but it just shows that uh i mean hopefully i'm a good outlet to help uh to bridge that gap and help with the international fans and, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it so how did that happen they just dropped you a dm or you know slid into your instagram or <laughs> yeah they messaged me on on twitter and asked if i'd be interested in going on their twitch and bringing some english content to their twitch and you were like so mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was they're new. They were new to Twitch, so they thought it'd be a cool way because they do ninety-five percent of the stuff before in German. So being able to bring me on there kind of gave you know more of an international vibe as well. And yeah, obviously a a, a big honor to uh, to do something like that. Were you pretty psyched, or were you like, oh my god, now I got to really bring it? I was, I don't know. I was a little, a little nervous. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like. We, uh, we were live at one point in front of 23,000 people for a watch along, uh, had about a half a million views. So that was a, a nice little tick mark for the, for the record book. Cause I've never been live in front of that many people before. Um, but, uh, it, it was a little, little nerve wracking at first, but I mean, I just took the opportunity to talk about the club I love and talk about obviously viewers and fans out there that are that are big fans of the, the same thing. And it was, uh, it was easier than it was. Well, you know, congratulations on that. And, you know, I tip my imaginary head because it takes some balls to get on there, you know, and, and, and do what you do because, um, I'm, you know, as you said, 95% of the content is German. So I'm sure you have a bunch of German uh, users coming on and sometimes not understanding, for example, oh, why is this in English now? Or maybe calling things out that they deem different or wrong or whatever. Germans have that in them for some reason. It's very hard yeah. for Germany to be having like a positive compliment. You know, it's, it's always like, I feel like they, they show, they show their commitment by pointing something out that's wrong. As in like, oh, I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to point you towards this one thing. You're not doing good, even though you're doing nine great things. <laughs> and you just have to understand that they actually don't mean harm. But, you know, like, again, if, if you're there for the first time and then all of a sudden you, you talk to like 25,000 people, um, <laughs> yeah, it can probably it's add fair. up, no? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. how do, how do you like, do you, do you, did you ever had like any, uh, like testy en encounters there or was it so far everything pretty smooth sailing? It was, it was pretty smooth sailing for the most part. I mean, the, the number one thing was people were a little confused at, at, <laughs> at the first introduction as to why it was all of a sudden in English, uh, even though it said English stream, but, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously couldn't understand them. I can't speak German, unfortunately, or, uh, or understand it, but there was mods in there as well, talking about it and letting them know kind of what was going on. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, was a little nerve wracking, but I mean, for the most part of people, they were just excited that, that it gave them the option to have an English outlet on their Twitch. Yeah. Um, and speaking about community, I think soccer Twitter is so toxic. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just me, but I feel like it's out there. Uh, do you agree or do you think it's normal? Oh yeah. If I mean, I have to, I have to filter myself nine times out of 10. Um, cause I mean, I like, I like to think that I'm, I'm a reasonable, reasonable fan. I, I don't like to just spit bull crap. I like to give honest opinions. Um, I've had a, a decent amount of fight back, but I mean, I literally approach my tweets like a Canadian naturally would, and I don't go out there to try to, to pick fights or, or do anything. I've had the odd, uh, back and forth, but for the most part, I mean, most of the people I follow and most people who I assume follow me, kind of are on a bit of the same wavelength that I don't have to deal with it too much. And I have a lot of Bayern uh, viewers as well. Just again, English fans that, that kind of are looking for an outlet. They don't maybe have a, a Bayern one. So they, they naturally come to me and 
a lot of them are good, are really good people. I mean, I, I've, I've, most of my Twitter exchanges is a good experience, but most of the stuff I, I read, I got to bite my tongue and, and hold my uh, fingers away because otherwise I just want to comment, comment on it. And I just, it's not, it's just not worth it. The troll levels is just incredible. Um, and I have no idea why, I don't know why this, I mean, it's a global platform, so it gets a lot of attention. So that's what you're seeking when you're trolling, but, um, it's odd. Well, with Dortmund in particular, you know, like I also hear, you know, within my spheres of Dortmund, people hear people complaining about, oh my God, you know, when I'm going online and I'm seeing this media, you know, particular with transfers in, in Holland and Sancho, you know, they, they get they get a little upset. But I think, well, first of all, um, Twitter isn't really a big thing in Germany. So that that's for starters. So that means there aren't really that many like German experts that could or are willing to basically chime in and give, you know, a counter argument to like the, the narrative that's dominated by like Sky and, you know, all these English or Anglo-centric sort of like accounts. And I, and I think also a lot of the regular fans are not on Twitter or they don't comment as much. So it kind of like skews a little bit towards the trolls. And that's true for Dortmund and probably United, you know, like... Uh, if you're here, you, that's kind of like what you see and what you receive in it. And it, I don't know, it shifts a little bit the, the perception. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting medium for sure. Um, do, do you think it still outweighs the benefits for you? Or is it just sort of like, oh, I got to be there because I got to be there because I'm in that space? Um, I, I like I, I like the space. Like, again, I, I feel like some of the the people I've, I've built in, in my following on that specific app have, have been relatively decent. I, I, I don't usually go on Twitter and am unbelievably frustrated. I also am never on Twitter during the game because I'm usually streaming the game, which is a, where, a lot, where you see a lot of the anger. I don't tend to go on afterwards as well, because that's again, usually where you see a lot, a lot of the stuff um, is it's, it's a decent space for me, but I've built it that way. Uh, and I have, I guess the self-control to, to scroll over stuff. I just don't want anything to do with. Every now and then, if I'm feeling a little, you know, a little angry, I'll get in there and throw a few jabs. But for the most part, it's just, it's a decent, it's a decent space for me. I hear you. It's like the three Josh rules of Twitter. Don't, <laughs> don't tweet during the game. Do not go in after. And in case of doubt, be a nice Canadian. You want a healthier Twitter? That's exactly what you need to do. <laughs> for a healthier Twitter. I feel like, yeah, we should, we should uh, start a like, campaign or something. There we go. For, I like it. For our sanity and, and, and you know, mental health. <laughs> And our fellow Dortmund fans. Um, well, speaking of Twitter, you know, obviously one of the things that's always uh, ruffling a lot of feathers there is the transfers, and that's something you also always talk about. So um, let's just bust through those real quick. Um, you know, um, let's start with Sancho. Yeah, I mean, again, and when you were talking about Twitter and, and the reason people like to start bickerments and, and arguments with each other is they just like to put polar opposite views and. And they get angry that Sancho may stay, Sancho may go, and that's what just creates it. And Dortmund fans are, can sometimes, or United fans are just super convinced he's coming or super convinced he's staying. I've always taken a very realist approach to, to Dortmund, and you have to if you are able to, to support this club. But, I mean, you see on Twitter all the time people taking jabs at, at the transfer policy. I mean, we obviously, German clubs in general run very differently and and I've understood that I'm I I'm if I'm looking at Jane Sancho, you want my honest opinion coming from just simply my knowledge, simply watching and viewing the club and kind of putting my two cents in. My opinion with Sancho is that he will go this summer. I think that he's been an absolute gentleman in the media. I think that he's he truly does love the club and loves playing for the club. But it kind of just seems like the dots are aligned and this transfer is going to go through. I'm assuming your next question is going to be regarding regarding Holland and. <laughs> And with him, uh, I'm, and if not, I'm just I'm going to give you my uh, my Go ahead. reasoning why. Is because I personally don't believe the board is looking to sell both assets this summer. The release clause is obviously there, which is it's alleged. We don't know is the exact it? exactly. Like we don't know anything about it. But I think no matter what release clause or not, it's not going to change the fact that it's not a good look for the club to sell both of these assets this summer. I think the fact that we held on to Sancho kind of showed the strength of the board show that where you want to play ball with with Dortmund you're going to do exactly kind of how we want to do it and if not you're not going to get your your prize asset but I can't see them selling both and if I'm giving my total honest opinion Sancho is the more likely one to go to the door this summer yeah absolutely and to be fair I don't even I personally don't mind people saying like Sancho is coming or whatever it's um the 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 unfounded reasoning usually you know like like <laughs> 
Um, it's not, you know, like he's coming or he's out the door because that was part of the plan five years ago. When he came to Dortmund in 2017, part of the sales pitch was, hey, come to Dortmund, you know, step out of the shadow, become a better player, become a well-rounded player, play Champions League, get that experience, and then you can still play in England. You know, then you're like beginning 20s uh, and instead of like, yeah, getting getting lost in the academy swirl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I don't think Aki Vatska and the board gives two rats behinds over what people think how the club looks. What he cares about is how he looks in front of Sancho or and the people that they deal with. And if he gave Sancho his word, the same goes for Zuzi Zork. Um, hey, Jaden, you know what? Like, we talked about this. These are, these are our things that that's what we need to have for it to happen. But if that happens, you got your, you got our blessing. And, and that's yeah. that. And that's, and that's an excellent way to look at it as well. It's, uh, it's, it's always, yeah, I mean, with, with social media, it's always a, a tough way to, to look at it. And I've seen some ugly transfers from Dortmund over the years. Um, but I think Sancho has been a, been a real, real blessing when it came to um, keeping his mouth shut and, and being a real professional. Yeah, dude, that's been putting in his work. Obviously, he got a little faced last year by the, you know, back and forth. But he's a young kid and, you know, relatively speaking. And that's to be expected. And that's part of, um, yeah, the risk that we take on when we take on these young players. There's always a chance that they have a dip in form or be a little less consistent. That's why we get them for like whatever, 7 million or whatever it was back in the days. And we don't pay 120 or something as, you know, we're asking now. And the, see, see, one of the things like when I talk about unfounded is like this whole narrative of Twinport Club, Farmers Club, whatever people are. And it's not just Dortmund, you know, it's everywhere. I mean, they, they, they yeah. put stuff like that under whatever account it's it's it, yeah it's so pointless um on the one hand and it's also like well if we're a farmer's club then that means we have very desirable talent unlike your club <laughs> i mean it's it's true like you, you know there's a reason why um players aren't leaving united at that rate because quite frankly they aren't as valuable um like marcus rashford which everybody everybody at united usually loves like is a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's more worth to United than he's for another club because at United, he's the homegrown English talent, star, forward, you know, the right position too. And he fills all that criteria. But if you would go to Juve, like nobody gives a crap that he came to United Academy. Like that wouldn't give him any like, you know, bonus with the fans. They wouldn't be willing to pay extra for him. So they don't. Yeah. That's the same reason why <laughs> Thomas Muller is more valuable to Bayern, you know? Yeah. No, you, you make an excellent point. And, and I, I mean, I've always hated the term Farmers, it's, it's always driven me crazy. Uh, doesn't matter which league, in my opinion, the top five, you cannot call any of them it. Regardless, uh, I, I absolutely take take your point. And we obviously are, are sensational at developing players. And a lot of people are saying, like, you're a selling club, you're a selling club. And if you look at the past few seasons, I think it's very hard to argue that we are a selling club, especially when the season we went out and bought the likes of Brandt, Hazard, Hummels, Schultz, and kept some of our biggest targets. Oh, I think people are... Yeah, I think people are just so caught up in what happened with the Gutsa and Lewandowski transfers, and and it just I don't know. It's it's always rubbed the wrong way, and I still think people don't quite realize it. Yeah, but it's that's almost ten years ago. <laughs> literally, literally. The last time, the last player that we that we sold, you know, that we actually needed was Dembele, and it was yeah. what 2017. Yeah, and he forced his way out. Yeah, and we got 150 million for him. <laughs> we did, we did. So he's laughing now. So yeah, exactly. Like I mean. And what did he do for Barcelona? Like, I don't, I think that's smart business. And like I said, it only means that we have more players. We have better players than you. That's why you want them. <laughs> and yeah. if you buy them, it's not even guaranteed that they will work well for you. You know, um, so. Example Dembele. <laughs> yeah. So that's fine. But, but at the end of the day, it doesn't come down to like Dortmund wanting to sell. In this case, I think it's more a case of this is what we agreed upon, you know, a couple of years ago. This is the path that we laid out for you. Um, and you can see, I think with Sancho, I don't know why he wasn't playing today or even in the squad, but if it had anything to do with this, uh, on the sporting side, it just shows that there's a huge bias in the English media towards Premier League. And I think that's one of the reasons why he wants to come back in the sense, because if he plays in the Premier League, there's no way he's not starting today. I, I agree. He's in 10 times better form than, than Sterling was, for example. It was baffling the fact that I think he should have been, he should be in the starting 11. I think it's baffling the fact that he wasn't even on the bench. I don't know what was going on. Social media was blowing up this morning. And, and yeah, I mean, I have no explanation for it. 
And uh, I absolutely agree with you, though. I agree. If you're not playing in the Premier League, you're basically docked. Yeah. And that's just kind of proven today if that was the case. So, yeah. So they look, you know, it's kind of like you look at the numbers. They don't be maybe a Champions League game here and there. And that's it. Um, very small sample size. But again, um, it still remains to be seen whether United is open to pay the asking price. Because I don't know why people are still acting like last summer wasn't happening. But if they think just because they're cool with Sancho, um, you know, Jaden is not going to throw a fit. Um, and Dortmund is not going to lower the price. And United has the money. So it's, it's so simple. Yeah. Like, and, and, and no, it's not a dance. It's not a negotiation tactic. If, if, you, if you know anything about Akivatsky, he's a very kind of like almost a little conservative, serious business type guy. You know, he's like a CDU, which is sort of like the, I want to say Republican, but you know, the conservative party type, very stern, yeah. very by the book. He's, you know, he was very much under the impression of, of the almost bankruptcy. And, and, you know, he does stuff like, I think it's very important for him to stick by his word and all these kind of things, which is why he wants to stick by his word for Jaden, but why he's also going to stick by his word to this is the asking price. <laughs> And they proved it last year. I think the only way that that would have been budged if we didn't qualify for Champions League, we did everything in the book to be able to put us in a position where he can be like that. And if United, and I love seeing the the reports, United bid this, United bid that. It's still not what we want. It's not a big story in my opinion, even though it's lighting up Twitter. But I, I agree. I think that the sale is going to go through. It's going to go at, at Dortmund's asking price, and and it more than likely probably will. Yeah, um, unless they're stupid. So I mean, there's <laughs> there's a chance that you know. Jaden might be back next season if, if United doesn't pay up. Um, so let's see how that goes. And I agree with you with Haaland. I think it's a no story. Um, I heard he's house shopping in Dortmund. Um, yeah. That's usually not what you do when you're on your way out. And <laughs> um, yeah, and there's no reason for us to sell him right now anyway. Um, we qualified for the Champions League. The club took on you know a backup fi finances with the credits like a couple of months ago to to have emergency financing you know in case this gets worse again um but by the way it looks there's probably fans back in the stadium by the beginning of next season and there might be full capacity by the end of it or by by the end of the year so um yeah by all signs it's ticking up so i can't really see <laughs> why and what maybe let's talk about really quick um because we sort of ventured off here a little bit about some of the players that might be leaving the club um how about berkey how about brunt how about Schulz? If you're looking at my honest opinion, I mean, oh. I mean, Berkey. No, give me your gonna, dishonest opinion. Dishonest opinion. <laughs> dishonest. Well, I, I like to be a little careful of of what I say because I mean, a lot of the players who play for Dortmund have a lot of love for for a lot of, of different people, and Brandt's a very touchy subject. I find when I talk about him on a live stream because I, yeah, <laughs> and and I just yeah, I mean, I'll give you my honest opinion. I mean, it's a nice platform to do it here because I'm not getting the immediate oh come on we love Brandt. But yeah, I mean, if, if it was me, I would sell all three. Um, quick, easy. I mean, Berkey, it's, the situation's basically unfolded this way. He needs to move on if he wants to have any shot at, at becoming a, a number one keeper anymore. In my opinion, I would have headed to Lil, not Monaco, because Lil just sold their keeper. It didn't make sense to me. And Monaco's got a solid keeper there, so I don't quite get that. But uh, I mean, I think they could get a little bit more for, than just a three, three mil that is rumored to be. But either way, I think it's a good decision to probably get him off the books. He had a nice story kind of a beautiful story to wrap up his Dortmund career, especially that he had such a nightmare of a season this year, was able to come back in the squad, get us to Champions League, get us uh, the Pokal. So, I mean, beautiful. Schultz, if you're able to flip him, I, I personally would look to get more of a natural left back. I mean, when Schultz came in, he was a left wing back. We have a very attacking wing back. You guys are probably familiar with him. It is Guerrero. Depending on, on the flexibility of Marco Rosa next year with his, his systems, I would like a natural left back as, as a backup. It gives you more of a, a different outlook if you're not looking to put Guerrero in specific types of games. And Brandt, again, it, when it goes to that attacking midfielder position, it's the only position he can really play. You can't put him as a false nine. You can't put him out on the wings. He's, him, he's, just, not, he's just invisible when he does it. I think that if he wants any chance of getting his career back on track, he needs to move on. We have Royce, who's on excellent form, club favorite, club captain. He's going to start. And you have Gio, arguably, who's got a big ceiling to live up to, who can learn and play off of him and can be in that number number 10 role when Royce doesn't start. So if they're able to do it and they're able to find the right deal, I would look to move all three on. Yeah, I hear you. And, um, you know, it, to me, it baffles me. I mean, Berkey also has quite, uh, you know, a following. 
uh, especially I feel like on the female yes. side of things. He does. Um, he's a man. <laughs> and um, but I don't understand, for example, that like yeah, I feel like Brandt gets more slack um, than Brookie does, which. Um, apart from the fact that maybe we can touch on this in a second, why Brookie got, got demoted like that in the first place, see his performance on the field, I think you can never really doubt his commitment to the club. Like, I think Brookie is one of the players that actually cares a little more about the club and about the team and, you know, and really was making an honest effort to become part of its fabric or be part of it and, you know, embrace it for all it has to be. And, and yeah, it didn't seem to me like... Um, reciprocated by the fans you know in the same yeah. way whereas but Brand, i haven't heard Brand necessarily speak about the love he has for dortmund which is not to say he has it but you know i, I think berkey is a, is more outspoken in that sense still Brand gets you know the benefit of the doubt a lot of times yeah i, I absolutely agree i think that amazon documentary we were talk, touched on um, before we started, <laughs> uh, was was a perfect example. I mean, Berkey had a had a main role in that. You can see his passion. You can see he genuinely loves the club. Uh, it was an interesting situation. I thought honestly, it, it was the right one. I've never been personally convinced with Berkey's performances. I think he's a wild card. I think that he can have ex- spectacular games, but I think that a lot of the times, a lot of goals you see, he he's weak near post. He sometimes gets his footing off, and he's had a few moments earlier on in the season where he just wasn't up to the case. The Leverkusen game for me was one where I was pointing it out, and a lot of a lot of people who are a little more familiar with the the, the keeper position were, were telling me that my points were decent to make. And next thing you know, I mean, the injury was there slash whatever happened behind the scenes. He was dropped, hits was in, and they made a decision right there. And I don't, and I think if he was naturally dropped, depending on how the situation really looked, you couldn't go back. You had to show you had to show some faith in hits. Hits did a job. And I don't know, I just, I always find it's hard to go back okay. and forth with, with keepers. Well, two things. First of all, I think, I don't think we necessarily need like a world goalkeeper type of situation at Dortmund. In my last podcast, I think I talked about it. Like if you look at the type of keepers that Dortmund had success with, it was always very good goalkeepers, but it wasn't like the best in the land or in the world at that time. And that goes back to like the 50s and 60s. And if you look at a guy like, like Stefan Klose or Weidenfeller, who also was, loathed by the fans in the beginning uh again weiden failure weiden mistake you know for the blunders he made but then came sort of back and even in his in his absolute peak you know he had still his limitations like especially with you know playing a ball with his feet and stuff like that in comparison to so many other keepers but we were still successful with him you know because he brought it in the moments that we needed it so i always thought berkey could fill that role somehow knowing that you know he has some weaknesses he could still become sort of like solid enough to 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 lift us. So if that's not the problem, then I'm like, hmm, what is it? And I feel he is quite outspoken, you know. Um, and I think I, I think he he beefed a little bit with his backline there. There's a couple of strong characters, um, and I think he lost that, um, yeah, that argument and. Obviously, you're not going to be successful if your goalie and your defense isn't working, is you know, isn't seeing eye to eye. So, and I feel like Tursic, I don't know if, if he was an active partaker in that uh, conflict or if he was just sort of like the the judge ruling it one <laughs> nil defense. Yeah, but I don't know. Can you, you you follow my 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 train of thought there? Or you think it's completely bogus? No, no, I I completely agree with you. Um, I I always thought he was a, a big vocal point on on the pitch. Uh, I just, it was kind of like you said, like he, he was a keeper that we had and, and I don't know if it, if it was a, a mix, something with the back line, something with Tersic. I'm not sure exactly how it went down, but to me, a few weeks leading up to it, I, I had a feeling that they were going to maybe drop him. And then the injury happened and there was a lot of controversy, whether it was an actual injury or not. Um, I, I don't know. It was a very weird situation, but they, it, it looked to me like it was almost a way to get hits in the net and make it look like it was, I don't know. It, it was a very weird situation, but, um, but I don't know. I thought it was the right one to stick with hits until they did, until obviously an injury put Berkey back in net and Berkey finished the rest of the story. But I, I don't know. I think it's time for, for him to move on and more than likely we'll probably see a transfer pretty soon. Um, yeah, maybe looking just really quick next season. Uh, Terza Jerosi, you think that's going to be an issue? I was very skeptical. I was on the side of, um, I mean, I, I love what Terzic did, obviously, but I just kind of wanted him to maybe make a, take a step on, take over a club like Frankfurt, for example take that next role, keep learning. And then Mark Rosa gets to come in here with, with no real, I don't know, like no, like almost like a fresh start for both of them instead of keeping someone who was so successful and is so now very much loved by the fans, seeing him take a backseat role, having that maybe 
I don't know. I'm gonna see. I think it's gonna fly, or it's or it's it's not. But I was just under the impression that he Terzic would take a job and then come back in a few years' time when Marco Rosa's deal's over. But I mean, it, it can't hurt to have them both on as long as they get on the same wavelength and, and keep pushing. Very different type of managers. I think Rosa is gonna bring a little bit more experience, a little bit more well-roundingness to it. While Terzic can also focus on a lot of the stuff that he does well, and it may just be the perfect duo. Well. I have a hard time imagining them them as a duo. Like I feel like I don't I don't think if if they work together well, like one which would be towards which would be behind the scene, you know, yeah. uh, probably being happy that he's out of the spotlight for the time being and just kind of focus on <laughs> the job that he likes doing. Um, but I don't really see them kind of like being like this, you know, arm in arm sort of like in every camera, like yeah, here we are, the two of us. But to be fair, it's such a fast moving business, and yeah four months ago a lot of Dortmund fans were very skeptical about Terzic you know when he was losing games left and right and people were like oh my god why did we give the keys to this novice like <laughs> and now it's like oh um, he understands them so well I love Terzic so at the end of the day it's 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 a result-driven business and you know winning cures everything if Rosa comes out of the gate and wins like six games in a row everybody's gonna love Marco Rosa Yep. And if he Absolutely. can keep it up, then, you know, um, boom. It was like, oh, that's so smart. What a great piece of business. Uh, and that's what people, people always act like they know in the aftermath, but you don't, you know. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Cool. That was great. Um, actually, I have one more question on a personal note. What's your, uh, what's a dream of yours to fulfill yourself as a BVB fan? Like, what's something you want to do that you haven't done yet? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it would definitely involve going back to Dortmund. Um, maybe just, I don't know, maybe something with, with the club there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I want to go back to Dortmund. Obviously, the COVID situation has restricted that. But my dream is to somehow, through the channel, maybe through connections I have, go to Dortmund, maybe meet a couple of the players, um, do something along those lines for some content for the, the channel would be just a dream come true on, on that type of level. And something I never th probably would have thought was possible before. I hear you. Yeah, that sounds fun. And um, I don't know, maybe like going to, like, I don't know, watching BVB in the final or something like that, or. That would be a dream as well. Yeah. I mean, if I, yeah, if I could make the, if I could arrange it like that, I mean, yeah. Go, I mean, going to a cup final, going to a Champions League knockout tie, something like that would be very cool as well, considering that I've, I've heard that the atmosphere during the Champions League games are, are insane. I've never been to one on a Champions League level. I've only been to a league game. So Going, yeah, going to a, a intense uh, final could have been cool. I don't know. Anything really revolving the club. I'm, I'm desperate to go back. Same. I haven't been in a while. But yeah, I can definitely. The cool thing with the Champions League is, um, you know, the silver lining, because we don't have the South Stand there, right? Because it's all seated. So obviously, it's what, 16, 15,000 seats um, for the usually 20 something, 25,000 people. So it, it mixes the stadium up a little bit for the Champions League, which I find cool because when there's these moments that get really tense, then all of a sudden you have these pockets of people that usually stand on the South stand in the North corner and the West tribune and so on <laughs> and so forth, which makes these patches a little more boisterous. And then the whole stadium becomes more energetic versus in the league game, you usually have it built from the South and then kind of like wander around. Um, okay. So that's something that I really, you know, apart from just like this late night, floodlight vibes that are just special um and also going in the yellow wall i guess that probably is number one <laughs> i haven't been i haven't done that that's probably number one would be insane but uh yeah i mean with with covid restrictions you know who knows when that'll be <laughs> hey man you know maybe it's sooner than you know than you think maybe we can all go no. together you know we'll we go. team up all the american fan clubs and then just make one big ride that would be sweet that actually would be sweet all right man um, great talking to you. Thank you for taking some time. Um, I appreciate you putting out all the content and, you know, also um, being that bridge builder in between like the fan communities and, and, you know, filling people in and yeah, sharing your passion. I appreciate it. I really, really enjoyed coming on and talking with you today. And uh, obviously appreciate all the support everyone has showed, showed me so far and hopefully to keep striving and, and doing stuff like this because conversation was, was a lot of fun and looking forward to hopefully doing it again. You got it, man. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Big shout out to Josh for the great work he's doing there. Check out JJD TV on YouTube, Twitter, on Twitch. 
There can never be enough good English-speaking content about Borussia Dortmund. That's it from Believe in Borussia, presented by Bet Online. I'll be back next week, and until then, a black and yellow shout-out across America and Canada. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.